Thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, the only podcast that markets the shit out of it. We're brought to you by Mountaintop Data, and I'm your host, Sky Cassidy, joined today by our lovely co-host, Carla Jo Helms. Hi, guys. And we'll be talking with Dan Gliata of the Cargo Agency about B to SB marketing or business to small business marketing. Always hard to not make that B to BS marketing. Don't want to make that mistake. So Dan is the <laughs> Dan's the co-founder of Cargo. That's a uh, full-service marketing and advertising agency that specializes in helping big brands connect with small businesses. That's the topic today. He's an expert in the business to small business space, coining the term B2SB marketing. Dan, really excited to have you on today to talk about uh, this this particular small business marketing topic. Not something we've touched on at all yet. How are you doing? Doing well, thanks. I'm happy to be here. Nice so, to have you. Yeah, yeah. Th- again, this is not something we covered on the podcast. We talk about a lot of uh, technical things and tactics and stuff like that, but the specific subject of the small business marketing, um, really excited to kind of dig into that. Before we dig into it, can you tell us a little bit about yourself, how you got into this particular niche? Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. Um, I'm a, I'm a, I root for the underdog. I'm originally from just south of Cleveland, Ohio, so I'm, I, I grew up rooting for people that don't win a lot. Um, so that's kind of part, part of my psyche has been, been around the underdog. And we see small businesses kind of as underdogs when it comes to the marketing landscape. Um, it's kind of an underserved, undervalued, underappreciated segment, even though it's the largest business segment out there. Yeah. yeah and in the agency today, world, it's kind of the redheaded stepchild as well. So. Yeah. I, I looked something up earlier today, just uh, on a completely different, uh, um, not not related to this uh, our conversation here at all, but it is um, interesting. The, the numbers I believe the 2010 census. It's been a while. I, a recent biz, uh, government census. There's 27.9 million businesses with less than 500 employees, and uh, only 18 to 19 thousand with more than 500 employees. So yeah, you're dead of, on. I mean, 99 percent of, of all businesses are small businesses. With some extra nines after it, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 99%? Yeah. Really? Is that- don't realize how skewed that is. And the percentage that sole proprietorships is also pretty crazy. That number I didn't look up, so I don't know that off the top of my head, but very high numbers in, when you get really small there. Yeah, you're looking, there's about 8 million employee-based small businesses, and there's about 20 million non-employee-based small businesses. So you, you definitely have a lot of uh, work at home, Etsy, Etsy shops everywhere on the small business side. It's crazy when you think of it that way. Another stat to help people not think everybody's just an individual street vendor though, um, is more than half of the workforce um, works for those companies with 500 plus employees. So that's more than half of the 130 million people that are employed in the U.S., something like that. So they may be a small yeah, number of companies, but they employ a very large percentage of the overall population because of their their size. Yeah, and all and, and business growth or economy growth and employee growth, over 60% of it over the last few decades comes out of small business. So they're not only where they work, they're the ones doing that, a lot of the hiring as well. They can double their forward. size really easy just by adding one more person. just add three people yes that's what they tell the banks when they're looking for money and we we grew 100 percent last year (laughs) that's awesome all right so anyway so yeah back to your your story your journey here to uh to b to sb marketing yeah honestly we i mean I'm, i'm sure there's agencies that may you guys have talked to um we thought we were saying it a little differently when we started in 2006 than the other 47,742 agencies in North America. And we realized um, if we were our own client, we would have fired ourselves a long time ago. So in 09, we went through an exercise, a positioning exercise as an agency and looked at our current client roster, looked at where there was gaps in the, uh, the marketing landscape and realized you're either a generalist or you're a specialist when you're in the agency world. There is no, it's, there's not a lot of gray in between. So um, when we looked at it, we saw an opportunity within B2B marketing, a niche of it, which is where we came out with B2SB marketing, because even though it's the largest segment 
out there. And even though um, there's some brands doing B2B, no one was specifically trying to help bigger brands market to small business. Um, because it's tough for a big corporation or a big brand to think and talk small because all they think about is scale. And it's hard to scale when you're trying to deliver personalized marketing at a small business level when you're dealing with nearly 30 million small businesses in the U.S. and Canada. So you're EB2SB, Enterprise Business to Small Business? Yeah, yeah. Basically, think of it as the clients we help currently, some of them on our roster. We help Lenovo market to small businesses. We help 3M. We help Mercedes-Benz in U.S. and Canada, Royal Bank of Canada. Um, we do some work with some Daimler divisions and Pitney Bowes. So it's it's all big Fortune 100 type companies that see small business, small and medium businesses as a customer or a target audience for them. And we help we help them better con- better find, better connect, and better motivate small it's businesses. Probably difficult for them to understand the small business since they're so big. Like their mindset is in this enterprise size company, and they they probably think other businesses think the way they do, or are set up the way they are. So the approach to small business might be getting ahead of ourselves a little bit here, but it, it seems just the mindset. Um, they probably want a small business agency to help them approach small businesses just so they can, you know, make sure they're, they they got their head on straight. Yeah, you're dead on. And honestly, um, w- one of the reasons, and you say B2B marketing, even B2B marketing, people doesn't don't think it can be sexy. Especially in the agency world, it's when you when you're when you're relegated to working on a B two B brand. Some some people think it's Siberia. Um, <laughs> it's true, we, we think the, we think the yeah we think the opposite. I mean, it's honestly, like there is no more passionate group. Yeah, we had someone on a while. What back was that? The, the the term came out. Um, your pro- I think it was your product's boring, but your marketing doesn't have to be. Like the marketing can still be sexy. Yeah, yeah, without a doubt. I mean, we we like to think of it even more as H to H, human to human. Your your person's marketing to another person. So, um, but yeah, it's uh, to be candid with you. Um, sometimes not only in the agency world, even inside a bigger brand that they may be a consumer brand that also markets to B two B. It's kind of uh, they're relegated to as kind of a redheaded stepchild inside the corporate world and the corporate marketing world. And they like the idea that we're dedicated to try to help them focus and we don't have our eye on the bigger game, which is the B2C marketing side of things. We don't touch it. We don't care about it. Right. Same uh, our company. We provide data and only B2B data. We don't touch the consumer side of things because we don't know and understand it and we have no experience in there is one big reason why. So you guys are specializing yeah. in the small business area. Uh, Carla Joe, what do you guys specialize in? Well, I mean, it depends on the definition of you call, you know, you call, um, you know, SMBs, but, you know, our clients are considered small businesses. The smallest is 5 million in revenues, but we go up to 100 million. But, you know, the definition of small business today is um, what, what revenue does it go up to? Small to medium sized businesses are, you know, those categories, right? Am I right? Yeah, I know the government has different designations for every industry because a small PR firm is much different in the number of employees revenues than a small manufacturing company. Um, so it's really, you, you can't nail it down with just one set. I think Dan said it well, or it was mentioned, I think you said it, Dan, but really like 500 employees less or minus seems to be a cutoff line for some people. Other people put a 50 employee line. It's, it's pretty fluid depending on the industry, I think. And it's, a relative term here in the data industry when one of our people sends a request and they say they want small businesses so there's no such thing as a small business in data you need to tell us how many employees or what the revenue right is. it's a relative term yeah um yeah Dan, that's what makes it tough so yeah, get back on track here um so you guys uh, you're you're an agency providing uh, marketing services for enterprises to market to small um small businesses right small to medium-sized businesses what, where do you guys draw the line on that small to medium size, or is it kind of on a client-by-client client basis? It's a client-by-client client basis, to be candid. I mean, every, that's what makes it part of the challenge. Um, you'll, you'll deal with some clients, and they'll only focus on 1 to 20 employees. They call small SMBs. Mm-hmm. And then you'll deal with the next client, and anybody under 1,000 employee size fits in their segment of SMB. So um, that, that's part of the uniqueness of the audience is everyone segments and qualifies SMB differently. 
What we just try to do is look at the, the people that are making the decisions, no matter the size of business, based on what they're trying to market and sell to them. So business owners get out of the decision-making process once a business gets usually over about 20 or 25 employees. Um, so they started bringing other people into it. So you got different decision makers as you grow, as an SMB grows, they start yeah. to act a little bit more like bigger businesses. Right. So are you typically working with, I mean, targeting companies where it is the owner that's kind of the key decision maker you're, you're, you're approaching? No, we do both. I mean, we just, oh. we just make sure we, 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 our philosophy is less about size and more about mindset. Right. So, uh, the mindset of the owners is a little bit more about my business, and that's what drives their decision-making. The mindset of the team in an SMB is a little bit more about my job or my my department, yeah. so it's a little bit more about the job than it is about the business. But it's more mindset than it is size. It's kind of role and title and job to be done. Yep, we noticed that, I mean, there's a vast difference in how you market to um, you know, an enterprise company marketing manager and a business owner. The one you can say, this is going to make your job more convenient and make you look good. They're sold on it. The business owner yep. needs to see profit, needs to know they're not wasting their money because they could give that money to you or they could take their kids to Disneyland. And that's what you're up against with the business owner versus the marketing manager. Yeah. Where you're like, you know, we'll make your job a little bit easier at the expense of your company. They're, they're still in. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one last thing on you and on, I think we barely mentioned your company, but Cargo, um, is it Cargo Agency or Cargo? I want to make sure I'm not butchering it here. Yeah, no worries. It's just Cargo. It's Cargo. Okay. Um, and Cargo, yep. what's your day-to-day -day there in, in the operations? Yeah, I'm really focused on growth. So, um, you know, acquisition, acquiring new clients, um, helping to grow existing clients, and even agency growth, whether it's skill sets, whether it's... Um, expertise, um, thought leadership. So um, you could almost call me more of a chief chief growth officer than a CEO, CGO versus a CEO. <laughs> Excellent. Um, let's move on to the topic of uh, point here, B2SB marketing. One of the things that drew us to you, I think um, we reached out after seeing a an article that was put out where you had the uh, 10 and 10, a decade of top observations in B2SB marketing. Yep. Can we touch on that really quick? I mean, there's 10 things there. I don't think we've got time to go through all of them, but it's a pretty good maybe structure for this to give people some insights. And then we'll put, uh, we'll put those 10 uh, insights onto the show notes for the show as well. But uh, I love 10, I love 10, seven, five, whatever insights. I love these. Ten, yeah. Get, we'll, we'll try to get yeah. through to the top, top four or five, something like that. Um, but uh, yeah, let's jump in B2SB marketing. What do people need to know about this? Um, take it away, Dan. Yeah, without a doubt. Um, number one, we always say is if you want to move the mind, you got to move the heart first in this space. If you can get them to feel, you can get them to act. There is no more passionate audience out there. So that's one of the things a lot of brands and bigger brands think it's a rationally driven decision. And it's a emotionally driven decision that sometimes they rationalize. So that, that would be number one in a big, a big play because it's much more storytelling and a lot less feature benefit advantage which usually is the play for B2B side of things. You know, we just spoke about that in the last podcast that we recorded. It's not even published yet, but that emotion drives it today. Mm -hmm. That's the biggest thing, especially in B2B. People don't realize that. They think it's, it's so it's rational. Still, oh, yeah. Cold and unsexy, and yet still emotion, still people to people. Right. Yeah, yeah. Especially with millennials coming and being much more of a dominant force and B2B decision-making, and they're the fastest growing segment of business ownership. Um, they're all, they're driven by purpose and passion and, and cause just as much as they're driven by the bottom line, if not right. more. Those irrational, emotional millennials. No, <laughs> they're not <laughs> <No>. irrational. <laughs> we'll, 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 uh, we'll, we'll, we'll hit some of those we'll hit some of those misperceptions I, a little bit later in the show. Yeah. So. I take that back. I do not want to be attacked by the millennial <laughs> audience out there. You guys are yeah, yeah, yeah. No worries. Um, another one, a second one, is a lot of times what people ask are all small businesses entrepreneurs, um, and that's not the case. So we did a we did a kind of a mindset segmentation study a few years ago. 
where there's really two different kind of mindsets of small business owners. There's what we call crusaders, and the other group is artisans. Artisans are people that basically have a craft, a skill, or an art, and they turned it into a business. Mm-hmm. Um, but they're not about hyper growth. They want to be great at what they do versus their success is driven internally, not by how big their company gets. So they're less of the, what you think of as an entrepreneur. The crusaders are the entrepreneur mindset. They're focused on an idea. The startups, those kind of things. Yeah, they're, they're always focusing on what's next. Yeah, the Gary, the Gary V's of the world versus um, serial entrepreneurs. They, want to, they just want to sell wine. They just want to have a restaurant, a dry cleaning business, whatever the business is, a plumber. Or a lifestyle business. Maybe, yeah, yeah they, they may be, have their own business, but the vast majority of them are not Silicon Valley startups. Yeah, yeah. Let's, let's think of it as a local, the corner coffee shop. He does. They don't want to be Starbucks. They they just want to be. They want to be the best coffee shop in town. But they're happy with the one location, and just being right. good at it. Kind of. right. Not really. So that, that, that's kind of the second. Serve kind of. What? Not really looking that? to innovate to solve a new problem or to solve a problem. They're just looking to serve to solve an, a need kind of. Yeah, and that even that mindset, the kind of the third one of the one of the top ten was, it is imp- there's over 1,100 industry types within small business, so it is very difficult for a big brand to have the resources, whether that's people, time, or budget, to be able to relevantly speak on a vertical level. Yeah. So we always talk about you got to market horizontally, which is really mindset DNA the drivers which cross over verticals when you're trying to market in this space. Unless you're a niche brand that has a very specific, so for instance, you got a retail POS system, you're obviously gonna go after retail as a vertical. But if you're a brand that speaks across many, many different types of small business owners, you'll just never be able to get deep enough and relevant enough to go on a vertical. So we always try to say, think horizontal versus vertical. You're gonna, I mean, people wanna, you always hear people saying you have to, you know, vertically drill down, drill down, get segment your marketing, get really niche. But you're saying if you're doing retail, the example you gave for POS, you don't need to splay that out into every different type of retail. There's just too many of them. You need to find a way to appeal to the the wide variety of the retail niche, basically. Yeah, and, and even the other side of it is if um, so. For instance, Lenovo is a client of ours. They market, they market technology, say PCs, desktops, laptops. Um, there's a heck of a lot of different industries that rely on technology. If you're going to try to go drill down on a vertical level, um, you don't have infinite budgets or infinite time or infinite people to do it. So you need to really look at what are the common drivers, mindsets, DNA, insights that go across industry types. So whether you're marketing to a law firm, an accounting firm and professional services, or you're marketing to a retailer, a baker, a restaurateur. So as an example, they have some common drivers in DNA. If Lenovo uh, has a rugged laptop, they want to market to construction companies. They don't want to drill in to every different segment of construction for a different feature for one kind versus another. You really want to just target construction more generally and not, like you said, go emotional, not feature-based. Yeah, but even that way, you got a rugged, say, and they just say they got a rugged laptop. It may play a lot different, more than just construction. It may play an outdoor enthusiast, uh, a photographer that travels and needs it. So our, our play, again, is not trying to think of it as industry type. Think of it as mindset. So don't even yeah. drill down to construction. Just go the wide variety of people that would use that product. Yeah, maybe if you've got a really mobile workforce, is kind of a deal. This is hard for me. What to, was that? I said, maybe some of these really clumsy, you know, there's clumsy people that really, need <laughs> I mean, I, mean, yes, I could just see yes. people buying it for that reason, but yeah, the mindset for sure. And it's actually very resourceful because you're right. You don't have the expense, the people, the time to drill down to each like vertical, uh, yada, yada, yada. Right. And they're so yeah. small. There's so many of them. Uh, as we addressed earlier, if you try to drill down that much, you end up, you know, making a custom campaign for each potential user at some point, you have to draw the line somewhere. It's tough for me to comprehend because I've always had drilled into my head so much that you have to drill down more and more and more. And Dan, hearing you say, don't drill down as much, <laughs> you know, back off a little bit in the, in the B2SB marketing is, uh, 
it hasn't sunk in yet. Yeah, yeah, no worries. And I, I just want to make sure I heard it. Did you just yada, 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 B2SB marketing? Which one of us? Did you do that or me, Charlie? No, I said I was making a point and instead of saying, I said yada, yada, yada. Well, I'm sure there's a Seinfeld reference in every podcast you ever record. So, Millennials not that there's anything wrong with that. What the hell was that? Yada, yada, yada was before Seinfeld. Seriously. It wasn't popular. I know. It's true. All right. So, yeah. So, that's. Yeah, that's one of the key ones. The other one is um, don't sell. One of the number, the number one frustration when we do it, we do a ton of research in SMB. The number one frustration and why bigger companies struggle is they come in selling and their, 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 their mentality as in a small business owners, how can you sell to me when you haven't even taken a minute to talk to me? You're prescribing to me an answer when you don't even seem like you care what my pain is, what my need is and what my business is. So you got to talk to them, not sell to them. That's a, that's a critical play. And that's very hard to grasp as a big business, just because how do you scale that? How do you, how do you market to someone on a very personal level that makes it feel like you're only marketing and talking to them, but then try to reach the 30 plus million. So that's a, that's a challenge. But again, if you want to win in this space, you need to make them feel like you're just marketing and talking to me and not the masses. Right. So the big business is used to this mechanized sales and marketing kind of, but the small business they're selling to wants a personal, I mean, they're small, so they're used to personal interaction with everybody they're doing business with and they want that personal experience kind of, that's what they expect. Yeah. I mean, they think they're snowflakes. They think, they think their pains and their needs and their drivers are very unique to them. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, if you go more, that's why we say, if you go more by the mindset and the DNA, which is naturally going to be much more of an emotional storytelling play than it is going to be a product feature service benefit play. Um, you're, you're halfway there. And then it also make, it's going to make them feel like you are talking to them because you're talking to them based on where their head's at versus um, where their pocketbook's at. If that makes yeah. sense. Excellent. Well, the rationale, I mean, the, the rational, logical, it's connected to the pocketbook. The emotional is connected to buying. So it, it's a really good separation of, um, you know, viewpoints so for sure. Yeah, yeah and again. A couple more of these, Dan. You've got, I see one here that says price isn't the issue. Value for money is. Can you speak to that? Yeah, there's a natural tendency to think small business, all small businesses struggle. So they're always looking for the cheapest. And the fact is they're looking for the best they can afford. And there's a distinction between the two. And value is derived based on real value, which could be time savings, price savings, convenience, whatever it is, but also perceived value. Um, you know, the old uh, country West perceived value. uh, It's not the best, just the best I could get. Yep. Yep. That's exactly right. And it's not the cheapest. So, I mean, honestly, if you look at a lot of the, a lot of the companies we work with, and if you look at a lot of the companies we don't work with, their most profitable segment inside their space, whether they're just only B2B or if they're B2B and B2C is SMB because they will buy, they will buy the best they can afford. And a lot of times that may be a premium play right? Uh, because there's so much invested in their business. There's so much on the line that they're not going to cut a corner um, just to save a nickel. So it, it's personal and it frustrates the enterprises when they have to deal with people personally, instead of being able to do the mass stuff. But the same hand, because it's personal, it, it's actually more profitable for people doing business with them. Yep, yep, as long as it's done right. And, it, and they're not frustrated that they have to talk personal. I mean, big, <laughs> big brands are made up of human beings. They want to be able to market to other human beings. It's, it's not the frustration. It's just more about the scale. How can I, how can I speak to many when I'm, I'm trying to speak to one? Right. So they got to be big brands by, like you said, scaling, mechanizing things. And then they want to market to these SMBs and they, they have to go against their DNA kind of. Yep. Yep. Exactly. Okay. Excellent. Um, Yeah. And one other highlight. Yeah, go ahead. Okay. One other highlight and then we're going to take a quick break, Dan. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. Um, And maybe it's a good thing to talk about after the break. One of the things we see, and we just did a study on millennial small business owners 
a lot of things are about are going to change. The the mindset, the uh, the fastest growing segment of small business ownership is millennials, and how they consume information, how they find information, how they deal with brands, and what they expect out of brands and big companies is definitely different than what it's been over the last 10 years and even the previous decade. So that, that's a big one. Um, and bigger brands need to be prepared for kind of the, the new workforce that's going to be out there. Oh, I think we should talk about more about that after the break. All right. We'll pick that up when we come back. Hi, this is Tom O'Malley and I'm from current.com. Current's helping companies connect authentically with their target market in AI sourced facilitated online dialogues that just don't ever need to end whenever should you be disconnected from your target market. Contact us at www.currentcurrent.com. Welcome back to the Yippie Market Podcast. I am here with our lovely co-host, Carla Jo Helms. Carla, Hello. You. <laughs> the, the time that I what, usually say something I didn't. I know. I usually run over you saying hi, hi to guys. everybody. I'm sorry. <laughs> and uh, our guest today, Dan Gliata, the CEO of Cargo. We're talking about B to SB marketing. Dan, before the break, we touched on this. I'm going to call it an issue just to continue poking millennials. But this, uh, this topic of the millennial market and the growth of that and how, how that's uh, you know, people are having to change to, to market to millennials in this space. Can you speak to that a little bit more? Yeah, without a doubt. I mean, they are, and I'm sure your listeners know it, they are the largest generation on the planet today. And they're probably the most misunderstood and misperceived. Many of our listeners and probably even, are it. So good job, you guys. You're the largest <laughs> generation on the planet. Oh. And they are most yes. misunderstood and misperceived. And they're, they get a bad rap. So every time us non-millennials talk shit about you guys, just remember, remind us that you are the largest generation. You're going to be paying for our retirement homes. And we hire quite a number of millennials. I think they're smart, man. They're good. Yeah. Yeah. They just think, they just think and do things differently and they have, and they look at things differently. And that, that's the same thing with business ownership. Um, They are the fastest growing segment of small business ownership as well. So because of that, and I, I wanted to stay ahead of what's coming um, we, we just got done doing a AI driven study on the millennial small business owners in the U S and Canada, where in the simplest terms, we've quantified emotion. Um, so we've, we've turned emotional reaction to, um, their mindsets and turned it into data. So Is that so like that, that pain chart in the hospitals where they have all the different grimacing faces and ask you which one you are? <laughs> in a way, yeah, yeah, in a way. So we we built a machine with a heart, I guess as you can call it. Or uh, they collect an emoji for how they're feeling for millennials. They have to, they have to do the emoji version, I think. And you are anti-millennial, aren't you? <laughs> oh, just, you may want to go. You may want to go check your tires in the parking lot <laughs> after this podcast. Guys, disses now. But what are the top three <laughs> things that come to mind from that AI-driven uh, quantified emotion research that comes to mind with millennials? Uh, yeah, one is probably the biggest thing is there's perception of being carefree, daredevil. Um, you know, whatever happens, be damned. And that is less the case. They are much more cautious oh, I agree. Um, than people perceived. And one of the I reasons agree. is you got to remember how they were brought up and what they experienced. I mean, they were the first uh, bicycle helmet wearing generation. They're helicopter parenting. They dealt with uh, 9-11. They've seen the 2008 and how big corporations, um, there's a level of distrust around big brands and big corporations because of the recession. Uh, they've seen the war in Afghanistan, the war in Iraq. So again, it's created a little bit of this mindset that they're much more cautious than what people think that they don't, they, they see them as being apathetic and don't care. They care a lot. Um, and they're, they're not apathetic. They just, they care about specific and unique things. So that's probably number one, the biggest insight we learned in the study was way more cautious um, than what they're perceived to be. I'd, I'd like to dig myself out of a millennial hole a little bit too. I think, <laughs> I think millennials are way more effective, way smarter, and uh, and way more um, driven than people give them credit for. Every generation looks at the generation behind them and says, "Oh, I had to walk uphill both ways to school, and now you have it so easy, and you're so lazy." And so, and yet, every generation behind 
does more amazing things and does work on top of the foundation that was built and and pull things forward in a in a fantastic way so probably a lot of the the shit that millennials get um from older generations is that you know they're they're gaining ground on the older generations so fast and they're so effective that you know we we kind of want to tell them that they don't they don't get it because they didn't walk uphill both ways when really none of us did. So that's my uh, concession to the millennial generation. Now get I ready. I was going to say the second ins. <laughs> I was going to say the second insight is they can smell patronizing and pacifying <laughs> comments <laughs> like yours. But so here's my warning. But that wasn't them. it. So. They're going to explode on the same stuff, but they're lazy and don't have their stuff together, and they don't they don't fall for that trap. Every generation below you is right on your heels, and they're going to eat your lunch. So, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, and again, this is relevant to big brands and marketers. Right now, the millennial. This isn't just small. Right now, there are about a twenty-five percent of small business ownerships is owned by a millennial. Um, but what's interesting is 30, 30 to 35% of millennials think of themselves as entrepreneurs. So if they had the capital and the money to start a business, they would, because they trust themselves more than they trust corporate America. Yeah. Um, and yeah. yeah, and right now their spending power is a little under $3 trillion in North America a year, but they are going to inherit $32 trillion from their parents over the next decade or, or two decades. So you start to connect the dots between if I had the money, I would start my own gig, and then I'm about ready to have the money because of the amount of money I'm going to be inheriting right. going forward. You're gonna see massive growth in small business ownership and startup and entrepreneurialism amongst this generation and, it, and the generation before it, which is the, the Z generation because they'd much rather start their own thing than work for somebody else. And I've seen that on other studies too. They are very entrepreneurial minded. Yep. Excellent. So let's, uh, I want to get away from the, the millennials so I can save myself from uh, some <laughs> <laughs> any more damage there. Back to the uh, B2SB marketing um, in general. Can you give us some, uh, you know, maybe for companies out there that, Maybe they're not an enterprise, but that's still their target audience. That that small business, uh, small big business segment. Can you give some kind of major don'ts for marketing to that to that segment? Some things to stay away from. Yeah, kind of what I said earlier is don't sell. Um, don't don't come in don't come in prescribing an answer when you haven't even taken a, a thirty seconds to a minute to understand me because everything's personal on the small business side. And if you come in selling, um, I take that personally, and that, that's not who I'm going to do business with. That's that's by far the number one biggest don't in this space. Don't come out of the gate just trying to sell to them just because you see big opportunity in small business. Um, you know, the the other don't is just like again, kind of reiterating, um, storytelling is key in here. Yeah. Um, they'd much rather hear stories than hear features and benefits. And again, because people think it's a rationally driven decision, they always go they, they go back to price and features and benefits of a product or a service. And these these people are passionate, so the more you can more you can have storytelling woven into your marketing, the better you're going to win in this space. Excellent. Um, and the, la the last one I would say, yeah, the last one I would just say is there's a there's a fallacy that think. There's a number that's always thrown around nine and 10 small businesses fail in year one, and that's not the case. Um, one and two fail within five years, but 50% still succeed. If you make it after five years, your chance of succeeding as a small business goes up exponentially. So the more you can stay connected, the more you can grow with them. So don't think of it as a one and done. And once I've sold to them or market, they bought my product. The biggest thing is to stay connected so you can grow with them because um, you, you've heard the numbers, it costs seven times as much to get a new customer than it does to retain an existing one. Yeah. And small businesses grow. So the more you can focus on, you should spend more of your money on the owners that are buying from you than the owners that are potentially buying from you. But usually that's not the case when it comes to marketing from a big brand side of things. True. Hmm. Interesting. Um, can you give us... Uh, 
some examples of, or an example of a, maybe kind of a case study type thing of a company you've worked with where, you know, your, your approach to the, uh, the B to SB marketing either, you know, worked really well or an example of maybe somewhere where, where it fell apart and why. Well, everything worked really well. I'll never, every, every case study finds the cure for cancer and it's the best thing since sliced bread. So. <laughs> oh, come on. <laughs> yeah. We'll have to settle down. I can, I, <laughs> yeah, now I can, I can give you one that maybe didn't work that great. Yeah. For one client um, in the tech space, we, uh, we started working with them about three plus years ago. They were talking to all SMBs the same. They saw them as one big audience. So one of the first things we did was making sure that we segmented not just by size, but by mindset um, and some of the other key drivers like the DNA of that business. Um, even the life cycle, a startup's going to behave differently than a hyper growth company, than a mature company. And that drove messaging, marketing, and strategy. So even though they were they were doing decent in the SMB space over the last three years, they've had record sales year over year. I think they've grown 36% um, year over year over the last three years in the space. So they've gone um, too broad so that, with that, their verticals. They went too horizontal. Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, um, they, they were just using everyone in that markets and small business always talks about the same cliche, save time, save money, save sanity. Um, that's kind of, that's not even table stakes. That's just noise in the space. Um, the more you can kind of understand who you're going after and what drives them in the DNA of them, the more hyper relevant you can be from your marketing, your messaging and your storytelling. So that was, that would be a, that would be a success, um, from one of our clients. Unsuccessful. We were, we were working. I'm sorry. I was saying you kind of turn, yeah, you turn them around from going too, too broad with their messaging to, to the kind of the proper amount of vertical focus on that one. Yep. Yep. And again, vertical, just so we're clear, it's not industry type where you hear typically vertical. It's much more of segmenting and micro segmenting by mindset, behavior, and DNA of, of, of who you're going after. All right. And then a, a failing one is we developed a, um, I would guess you would call it a program or initiative for a, for a company that focused on U.S. and Canada. And in, in theory, the, the elements of the program added value to a small business, but in practicality, it wasn't simple to get and to experience. So the experience a lot of times is the marketing. And because of that, um, it did not get the traction that we thought it would get um, from people. Just It brought a lot to the table for small businesses, but it wasn't easy to get and easy to understand and easy to feel. And because of that, um, it, it wasn't as successful as it could have been. So was the marketing too complex or the product or both? The product. Yeah. The, the marketing, uh, I think it's less about the marketing and definitely more about the, the pro it was, it was almost kind of a loyalty rewards buying program that had a lot of value added elements to it. Um, but again, because it, it didn't resonate easily and simply um, it took, it took a few hoops to jump through to get, um, right. that made it a little bit tough to actually to, to, to use and to actually join. Right. So when you're going to small business, like you said, you can save them time, you can save them money, you can save them sanity when you're, when you're coming maybe with the sanity and the money or one of those two, but it's, it looks like it's going to cost them a lot of time, uh, just to understand what it is you're trying to explain to them. That kind of throws it out the door right away, possibly. Yep. Yep. Without a doubt. Yep. It's got to be, it's got to be an easy get. It's got to be hyper relevant, but also hyper easy. You don't have to save them all three of those things, but you probably can't cost them any of those. Like you can have a product that uh, saves them time, but if it drives them nuts, it's not going to work. If it costs a fortune, it's not going to work. Like you, you kind of have to at least hit on one of those and then not hurt them in the other areas. Yeah, the, the three common deficiencies almost all, especially on the smaller small businesses, have is three resources they lack is time, capital, and experience. So um, if you could help solve one of those three, um, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna connect with them as a marketer or as a brand. Right, without taking too much away from one of the other ones. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. 
pick yeah. pick three. All right, interesting. So I've got a question for you personally, Dan. Um, in, yeah. your, in your business, I'm curious, if there was one thing you could be better at um, or excellent at that you're not now, what, what would it be? What would you like to be an expert in that you don't feel you are now? Uh, listening. I think I have a, I'm a pretty part of it could be my Italian heritage part. Part of it could be my Northern heritage, but I'm pretty strong personality and strong willed and strong opinioned. And sometimes I got to be a little bit better at realizing there's different ways to get to the same end goal and to the same solve. So um, a little bit, I guess you would call it a combination of listening and just being open-minded to other ways to solve a problem or take advantage of an opportunity. Hmm. Better list. That's a new, that's a new answer. I like it. I can come up with something else that aligns with everybody else. If you want. No, <laughs> I like that one. Listen, <laughs> All right, Carla Joe, same question. Oh, really? Going to put me on the spot at? like that? Not. I don't want Dan to be the only one to have to go through the rigor there. <laughs> I'm good at everything. No, seriously. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Humility. That's you. That's what you want. Left perfect. You want to be less perfect. That's the problem. <laughs> You know, I've taken a lot of those tests and it, it actually is pretty true. I have the ability to be whatever I need to be with whoever at the particular situation, you know, or time. I think maybe, um, not maybe, this is probably my biggest weakness. I was going to say maybe my biggest weakness, but I don't think I ask for help enough as a, as a business owner or an entrepreneur, right? You know, reach out, get the data that I need. Delegate, I, maybe, yeah. As a, a fun. A how fun about you, Sky? Yeah, yeah, Sky. How about on. you? Yeah. Since we're all we're all showing our wares. We're all sharing today. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was smarter. I could always. You can always be smarter, even if about smarter. millennials or just in general. Yeah. <laughs> 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 well, let's start with millennials, right? <laughs> Great. Now we're talking about it again. I can't edit that out from before. <laughs> if you're wondering why we're talking about something you didn't hear, it's because I edited it out all the terrible things they said about millennials. No, I think even really smart people um, or mildly smart people can be smarter. And the more intelligent you are, the, the better you can do anything and everything. And that's the one thing I always, every once in a while, if you push yourself hard enough, it's like you can be really strong, but you're going to push up against something you're not strong enough for. Um, you end up hitting a point where you just, you wish you could absorb more. You wish you could understand more. You wish you could be faster on your feet and mentally just tighter. It's all good. All right. Uh, back to uh, the business to small business stuff. Um, any more of these points that we want to touch on? We are getting really close to the end. No, I, mean, I think um, I think we hit the main ones. There's a lot of, I mean, you, you your listeners can go to thecargoagency.com. We've got a lot of different insights, studies, thought leadership content. We've got a small talk series, pod, our own podcast. So if anyone wants to learn more, um, they could always learn more there. Excellent. And we'll make sure we put that podcast in the show notes uh, for you and, and mention at the end here as well. Um, before we finish up, business to small business marketing, um, we've talked a lot about it in general. Do you see it? Where, I guess I'd say, where do you see it going in the future? Is there anything coming up on the horizon, any big shifts in this kind of marketing? Um, part of it is just the AI side of things. I mean, that's, that's not just B2SB, it's overall in marketing. I mean, when, when to use human beings and when to use some AI or machine learning data-driven insights. Obviously, it's so massive of an audience. There is tons of data out there and, there, and it keeps growing. Um, so how data, what we call as data-driven creativity um, you're going to start seeing more and more of that come, come to play. You still, you're still stealing the human beings. The machine's not going to be doing it alone, but leveraging some of that data to make sure um, you know what's going to happen before you do it would obviously help. I've spoke to this a little bit in the past. It's a, I, I kind of don't like AI going in that direction. So I, I think what I'd like to say is my fear with AI is that the enterprises are going to use it to manipulate the small business marketing, I guess I'd say manipulate the people they're targeting um, rather than to serve them. Uh, so there's a way you can, you can better give somebody a better experience and you can better serve them using AI and using information on them. 
or you can use that same information to manipulate them to buy your product, regardless of whether it's, it's good for them or not. Um, so I would say with that, you know, with that increased use of AI, um, I really hope that it's basically used for good and not evil, that it's used, uh, you know, some people are going to try to use it to manipulate, but hopefully the vast majority of players use it to better understand and better serve their customers rather than to you know, trick them into uh, their marketing. Yep. That's my public service announcement for all the AI developers. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> don't, don't, don't trip on your soapbox when you're leaving the office. Yeah. <laughs> I'm really, <laughs> I'm really knocking it out of the park today. No, no, it's good. It's good stuff. Tech stack. Do you have any particular uh, tech stack that you'd, you'd recommend for anybody out there? I mean, maybe that can't, uh, can't quite afford or isn't ready to use a company like, uh, you know, to, to use cargo to come to you guys. Um, that would help them market to this this small business segment? Um, you know, there's a lot of different platforms out there on the CRM side of things, um, whether it's the the bigger ones or even the, you know, the sales forces and the part outs of the world or the Marketos. Um, there's really no one go-to. All, all we always say is the more you can centralize, um, that's going to make things more efficiency. And more efficient and then the more consistency and continuity you can build no matter how you're reaching them and talking to them the more trust you're going to build in the space um, so when it, when it comes to tech stack you just the less the better to be honest with you there's so many different tools and platforms and no one's doing a great job of them all talking to each even though they're promising it the, the adobes and the oracles of the world nothing out there is doing a great job of all these systems talking to each other so we think less is more in the space. Yeah, that's the best advice we've heard on the tech stack in a long time. I mean, really, you're going back to yeah. such basics. So your tech stack is basically KISS, keep, keep people stupid. <laughs> <laughs> that's the tech, stack. tech stack is no tech stack. No, yeah. <laughs> it's uh, simple. And I suppose to what you were talking about earlier, it's such so much more of a personal connection with the small businesses that um, the more you automate, the more tech you try to employ, the more you can get it wrong. And when you get out of step with them, they really notice it. An enterprise customer, medium-sized business might not notice it when, you know, your automated system pokes them at the wrong time with the wrong message. It's not connected to everything else you're doing, but um, that small business person is going to notice, you know, Hey, you just sent me an email that seems a little weird based on our conversation yesterday or something like that. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the way, personalization in this space is different than you knowing my name, my address and my birthday and my anniversary date. Personalization is about tailored help um, and less about just personalization by itself. And that's, I think that's what people is using tech for. They think mm -hmm. they can scale personalization, but um, that's not personalized. That's not connecting with a small business just because I it says dear Dan. Kind of a thing. Right. I, I love identifying on LinkedIn the people who have the automatic, like, say happy birthday to somebody um, set. <laughs> like, I haven't received a message from this person since we connected five years ago, but every year on the birthday, they got the, <laughs> you know, or any anything that they can auto set is automatically plugged in. And you say, oh, okay, I, I see it. But you, know, you don't know I'm here. It's an automatic yeah. reminder, which yeah, kind of means nothing. Um, okay, excellent. One last thing. Favorite marketing channel for these small businesses? What would you recommend? We're talking about physical mail, emails, print, SEO. Um, if you can only choose one or two ways to approach these people, what would be your, your go-tos? Uh, social would be a big one just because peer-to-peer -peer is so big as an influencer in this space. They talk and they, they form their own community. And when you think community, social is a community. Mm -hmm. um, so social, social, whether that's not the not just the business side of LinkedIn, but even the the Instagrams and the Twitters and some of the newer ones that are coming out there, Twitch and all that kind of stuff. That's, that's probably that's a big one. Um, the other the other stuff that's, that we always find interesting is they still love events. Sounds very old school, person to person, traditional. Yeah. But they love person. They love talking to someone. They love someone talking to them. So events still play a, a role whether they're small micro events just around their community or maybe they're smb centric events um, around their region side of things they, they still like that part of the marketing side of things excellent 
people can find you at, what is it, thecargoagency.com. Um, also, you mentioned you have a podcast. Where can they find that podcast? Yeah, if you look on the Small Talk series, it's on thecargoagency.com. They'll see Small Talk, and there's a bunch of different content that they can tap into and subscribe to. And as you mentioned before, a ton of content on your guys' site about this kind of stuff. We'll put the, um, the domain, thecargoagency.com, on the show notes for the show as well. Uh, go check them out there. And then uh, I suppose if people want to find you on LinkedIn, they can just put in your name. That's D-L-I-A-T-T-A. That'll also be in the show notes. Anything else you want to put out there, Twitter handle, your home address, cell phone number, anything like that, Dan? <laughs> yeah, you can, you can follow Cargo at Tweet Cargo on Twitter. So we, we, we sh- that's probably our most active social channel we use on our side to share thought leadership content and curate some stuff. Thank you guys for listening to the show. You can find again the show notes and more information on Dan Gliata, CEO of Cargo at ifyoumarket.com. And uh, please follow us, share us. If you're not already, subscribe and uh, leave us a good review on iTunes. And on behalf of Carla Joe Helms and the If You Market team and Dan Gliata of Cargo, thank you for listening to the If You Market podcast, where we believe if you market the shit out of it, they will come. The small businesses. The they small will businesses. Come. They will come. <laughs> <laughs> the If You Market podcast is brought to you by Mountaintop Data. And at Mountaintop Data, we're all about data for B2B marketing. Our goal is to improve the quality, depth, and coverage of our clients' targeted marketing data while removing the technical pain of accessing and implementing data. We help with everything from new target contacts to appending and cleaning existing data, all with the goal to free you and your team up to focus on creating great marketing experiences. Check us out online at mountaintopdata.com and sign up for our new top data search tool and get free access to search our database of over 30 million business contacts. Use the code hashtag IYM when signing up and get 200 free credits. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.